welcome to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan. I'm flying solo today as uh, Mr. Robinson has got something else going on. Anyway, before we get uh, started off, today's today's show, uh, podcast number 51, is is titled Board Block, and what we're doing is we are uh, interviewing some of the Board of Director candidates for AUBSI, and we are going to talk to them about their candidacy, vision for the future, and whatever else. We did that last week in show 50 with uh, Doug Davis. We'll carry on with that, but before we get rolling, I want to... Talk a little bit more about the uh, Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo, which is going on in San Francisco in, on July 25th and 26th that uh, SUS News is putting on, 3D Robotics. Uh, we, we've got some uh, great sponsors, some great speakers, Tad McGear, uh, Chris Anderson. We have uh, Ted Wares-Banowski, myself, Gene Robinson, uh, I would suggest you go over there, which the uh, the website address is www.susbexpo.com. And if you're interested in coming, you should probably sign up now because the tickets are going fast. It's going to be a you know it'll be a hoot nanny for sure. We're gonna we're gonna try and um, we're even going to try and Skype in uh, Gary Mortimer from South Africa. That ought to be pretty fun. So it looks like Gene, did you make it? Ah, yes, I did, as a matter of fact. I'm going to have to get you an alarm clock. (laughs) (laughs) Running it close, I know. Uh, you know, we have a couple of now, now, you know, all right. Well, anyway, so, uh, we're just getting this deal rolling here and I was talking about the SUSB Expo, which, um, we're over at the Golden Gate Club. And uh, a lot of stuff's going on. We got a lot of people that uh, that want to sponsor MLB. Um, we do have a couple more sponsors in the pipe. People are starting to get excited uh, about the the message uh, of the show, the business message of the show, and uh, pe- people are ready to do some work. I don't know. Maybe you've have you heard that out there? They're ready to make some money or. Just want to hang on and do some charity stuff. What what's the word? Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of folks out there that are ready to go, and uh, I think that there are probably more people than we know have already pulled the trigger on this deal. And uh, you know, we thought that there was going to be a flood earlier. I think there's going to be you're going to see a lot more of this stuff in the news. I think so too. Um, you know. I don't know. It it is kind of a funny thing. I mean, sometimes we talk about you know the regulator kind of being in in a, in a little bit of denial, but then you have a whole uh, end user group that's kind of nobody really even knows what's going on. I, I read another um, news story this morning from this uh, farm website, and uh, you know, multi rotors for farm use, and this is the best sliced new thing from you know since sliced bread, and you should buy one and. Uh, you know, no mention of any regulatory um, body at all, which is okay, I guess. You know, it's not really our job, but I think it's kind of interesting. So, uh, you know, you were on the road again last week. So, did you uh, did you want to uh, maybe you know uh, summarize what that was like? Uh, it was a very interesting 
little conference that we went to up in Maryland. First off, it took me 30 hours to get from Texas to Maryland, which was another interesting little adventure. But uh, it was uh, uh, informative. I got to meet and uh, press flesh with a lot of the folks that we've talked to in the past, either from an official standpoint or unofficially. A lot of the FAA guys, a lot of uh, industry folks up there. Uh, of course, uh, the 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 FAA guys were kind of surprised to see me, but uh, now that I'm actually legit and working a government contract, it was uh, appropriate for me to be there. Uh, you know, it was interesting. There was one comment made that just surprised the heck out of me. It was Tim Adelman, who is a, a lawyer and apparently consulting to various agencies, and he made a comment about. Um, sticking your middle finger up to the FAA. And uh, for those guys out there that are doing this now, that is the intention is that, you know, if you're flying now, you're sticking your middle finger up to the FAA. And uh, the the veiled threat that came out of that is that, you know, when certification finally does roll around, we're going to remember you. Hmm. And, and I, looked, I looked around and I said, did that really come out of his mouth? Um, it's too bad I wasn't there because I'd have probably jumped up and uh, had a few comments for that. But that's that's kind of interesting uh, that someone would uh, utter that in public. I mean, you know, listen, you know, uh, king of the pariahs over here. I know people say stuff in private, but uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, interesting I'm, I'm sure that, that probably doesn't uh, endear me to to him, and maybe I misunderstood completely, which it was probably taken out of context, and I'm wrong. But <laughs> it was just, in my opinion, it was quite the eye opener, and you know that, that's it. It's just my opinion. But I did get to meet a lot of people out there that who really want to use the the technology, fire first responders. Um, had a very impassioned plea from uh, the Oklahoma emergency management office and fire directors up there that uh, they would have used the technology the same day that the tornadoes came through more. Uh, I thought that was a compelling thing. And uh, at one very quick note on the questions that were asked to the privacy panel, and I'll, I'll end it on this one, but I thought it was very, very good. Uh, David Morton of the FAA, we were, uh, we were asking questions to the panel and they were saying that they had problems with police using the, the uh, unmanned aircraft and data retention. How long are you going to keep it? What are you going to use it for? Whether you require a, a subpoena or not. And Dave Morton posed the question and said, okay, if we just leave law enforcement out of it, let's just put them on the fence. They don't get to play. Mm-hmm. Would you have a problem with the fire people and the search and rescue people flying and collecting images for that task. And uh, they all kind of looked at each other and didn't say anything for a while. And finally the guy from the ACLU popped up and said, no, I, I, no, I guess we wouldn't. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. And uh, to a man, the panel agreed. I mean, it was supposed to be a bunch of privacy experts up there, and they agreed that, yeah, under that circumstance, uh, most people are not going to object to it because you hear the sirens and you see the big red and white come roaring by. You know, everybody runs to the curb and, and watches it goes by, as it goes by. Uh, but, uh, you know, you hear the sirens and you, you go outside and it's a black and white. 
people tend to turn around and go back in their houses. I thought that was a pretty funny analogy there, but it's true. Hmm. Yeah, that is uh, interesting. But again, I think it kind of comes back down to um, <clears throat> people are a little apprehensive about the technology being used on them. I, you know, we've been round and round on it. And even when we had the uh, the gentleman on from EFF and uh, he was saying, well, you know, this the same uh, arguments about uh, storing the data, whatever else. And I said, well, you know, if I did it privately and I owned a uh, like the, the mall analogy, I'm going to keep those tapes to indemnify myself against liability in the future if anything does happen and I can prove, hey, you know, I've done everything in my power to protect the public, my customers, the people on my property. And I'm going to save that data too. I still believe that, uh, you know, as I've been espousing for a while and and I'm starting to hear that, uh, let's say, some of that uh, starting to come back to me, you know, uh, get with the public uh, come up with a uh, you know best practices how you're going to use this technology if you're a police department go into the community I mean I thought Berkeley was right on target go into the community hey this is how we want to use it this is what we're going to do with it here's how long we're going to keep the data yada 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 blah 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 okay sounds good let's as a community come together and and kind of talk about the privileges for the use for the police department you abuse the privileges they get taken away that simple yep. Yeah, it's not it's not rocket science. And the other thing is we have to start to you know, really start talking about the operational envelope. People, you know, I'm telling you, they think, Oh, you know, there's these these flocks of drones are gonna take off from the police departments and being monitoring everything everywhere. Not gonna happen. And not gonna happen for a long time. So let's let's be realistic. Let's not uh, let's not go overboard. And, uh, you know, we could go on about privacy all all darn day, but uh, we are going to uh, move into the first segment and bring on our first guest, and that is continuing with the AUVSAI Board of Directors election season, uh, things that we're doing here. And uh, we're going to talk to some of these candidates about their vision for the future if they're elected. And our first uh, guest is Mr. Dallas Brooks. Hello, Dallas. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Gene. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Another beautiful day in California. Um, All right. Well, you know, when we get into this thing, I'd like to, uh, when we bring guests on, uh, obviously you've been involved in the, uh, let's say, use of unmanned aircraft systems and also the integration process. And I kind of know a little bit about you, Dallas, but for the benefit of the audience, could you please, uh, you know, uh, elaborate, give us a bio about yourself, how you've been uh, involved with unmanned aircraft, how you got here? Um, Sure, and thanks for the opportunity to have me on the show. Um, I've spent probably the better part of the last nine years, almost all of it, in fact, uh, working uh, specifically on unmanned aircraft systems integration issues on behalf of the Air Force, the larger DOD, um, and in concert with the FAA, DHS, and NASA. Uh, that's That's been my, my focus. It's been my primary job. Um, but going back a little ways, to uh, give you an idea of my background, um, I grew up in an aviation family. My dad was a Marine Corps traffic controller. My mother was a Navy air traffic controller. Uh, and then I joined the Air Force to become an air traffic controller. So we, we tried to cover as many bases as possible. Uh, but uh, quickly... Uh, uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, after I was qualified as, as a young enlisted man, uh, some folks took an interest in my career and helped, helped sort of nurture me along. And uh, next thing I knew, I had a, an ROTC scholarship and a commission, 
and uh, was working my way through a variety of assignments. And I've been uh, aviation, air traffic control, airspace management. I've also been communications and networks, uh, three times actually, a networks chief. Um, I spent 9-11 at the, the Joint Special Operations Command Headquarters at Fort Bragg uh, managing their comm networks. And it was while I was doing special operations that I was first made aware and introduced to uh, the capabilities of unmanned aircraft, and that was right around the 2002 time frame. Uh, really got excited about it and wanted to stay with it. Um, so fast forward just a couple of years, uh, the Pentagon, uh, the way that they deal with uh, civil airspace issues is through uh, this body called the DOD Policy Board on Federal Aviation, or the PBFA. And the PBFA was looking for an executive officer in the mid-2000s, uh, and they were really struggling with UAS integration. All the services were clamoring. They needed more access. They needed to be able to fly Preds, Reapers, and Shadows, and, and, and Ravens, and Globohawks. Um, and they needed someone to sort of take point on a lot of that. And uh, they went in the big master computer in the sky and punched in airspace, air traffic control, flight, communications, and they had got one name. And it was uh, it was me. Uh, it was the one time in my life where, where my diversity of jumping around from place to place, my career ADD, if you will, uh, stood me in good stead. And uh, next thing I know, I was headed to the Pentagon. Uh, so I didn't miss, spend a lot of time there. As, a, as an executive officer, they quickly put me to work, working UAS integration issues. Um, I moved through several jobs successively, uh, the military director of the PBFA, the Air Force's chief of UAS integration, uh, the DOD senior liaison to the FAA for unmanned aircraft. Um, and over the, this time period, all the way up to my retirement, uh, I developed a reputation for, uh, I'll call it eternal dissatisfaction. Uh, I was never... <laughs> okay with with how things were. I always wanted to make them better. Uh, most folks were still taking that 10, 20, 30-year view. It's a hard problem. It's going to take us a long time to solve. And granted, pieces of, it, pieces of it are. They're very hard. But that doesn't mean you can't push for real changes on a localized level or in a specific arena uh, today. And that's the approach that I took. Um, I helped write and push through that 2007 memo of agreement uh, between the DOD and the FAA that opened up about half a million square miles of airspace, you know, the Class G COA, uh, without a COA. Um, also helped uh, the JCOE with the minimum training standards. And um, and by the end of my four-year tour at the Pentagon, I, I sort of had a decision to make. I, I loved unmanned aircraft, but the Air Force was going to pull me back in to do other work. Uh, so it, I talked it over with my wife and decided that I just couldn't leave this, this industry. I loved it too much and dropped my retirement papers and uh, thought I was on my way out of the Pentagon until Dyke Weatherington reached out with uh, that big fist of his and grabbed my collar and yanked me back in and said, I need you to put on a suit and come to work for me and, and share the uh, airspace integration IPT for the for the DOD. Hmm. So there's now, a, that's where I spent my next three years. Now, so you did, you actually sat in... The the FAA UAPO office is that correct? weren't, weren't you in the, the military liaison? And you were in there for a while, and uh, I have to ask you a question now because this was kind of a um, it's kind of story floating around in that in that office about uh, Bruce Tarbert's barbecue. Now, did, did you ever get invited? <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, Bruce Tarbert is a grill master extraordinaire. Um, the equipment he has would, would easily uh, uh, support a, a mid-sized restaurant. He, he's got a, tr a grill on a trailer, that big split open thing. So uh, yeah, he uh, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he does. Now it's funny is when we did the uh, demo down at uh, Quantico, the Marine base. Uh, the FBI was the the sponsor of that 
And, uh, you know, we had a bunch of folks out there, and uh, along comes, like, this F-250 pulling this huge, huge barbecue trailer. <laughs> and, and Bruce is like, all right, you know, barbecue for uh, for everyone. And we kind of had a thing going. You know, it was kind of a joke because uh, I'm a vegetarian, and uh, Bruce was kind of offended. You know, I go, I'll bring some uh, not dogs and throw them on the grill. And, you know, so Bruce, you know, no, no tofu on my grill, you know. But uh, it was kind of a funny thing. And, and then I was at something else where there was some other FAA people that weren't involved in unmanned aircraft. And they were like, yeah, that that Bruce Tarbert, man, he really knows how to do up some barbecue. I was like, man, this thing is that, that Bruce's barbecue is now in all over D.C. and the uh, FAA circles. I think you could lay two men end to end inside that barbecue. Uh, it, it, it's a big puppy. <laughs> it is. He 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 fed uh, everyone at the demo. There was probably fifty people out there, and that was uh, no problem. But just that was a kind of a funny side note. But um, all right, so you've been around. It sounds like you've been around just a little. You've been here. You're a relative newcomer. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so with all of that, uh, you bring a lot of experience to the table. You know, um, let me ask you how you would apply that uh, in the framework of the AUVSI board. Well, I still have that eternal dissatisfaction uh, mindset, um, and I think that boards, um, especially especially boards that only meet quarterly, uh, the progress tends to be really slow. Uh, there's not a lot of work done that gets done between meetings, I should say, um, and you can't be agile enough to react effectively to current problems or much less be proactive. So that's how we've ended up at such a tremendous disadvantage on this issue of UAS and privacy. I mean, those organizations that are attacking unmanned technologies, they're organized, they're focused, they have a comm plan, they have a media plan, and they come to work every day, not just once a quarter. And so we are bound to lose that battle unless we restructure how we do work in between those board meetings. Um, so the, the AUVSI membership, they've got a tremendous amount of talent that's sitting on the sidelines. I mean, that talent has got to be harnessed. You've got to get, form those working groups and teams that work continually between the board meetings. You've got to pick the right talent. You've got to organize them. You've got to empower them especially to act on behalf of the industry. Uh, otherwise, we're going to continue to get beaten and beaten badly on the issues that matter most to the UAS and UMS industries. Well, I would uh, concur with that. I, they do have a pool of talent par excellence. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, it seems like it's a little, um, how do you say it, underutilized. So I, I, I do concur with that. Um, I, and I like that idea that uh, you sound like you're you're more proactive. But so, and what is what's your vision if you're elected to this uh, board position? I got to tell you, I believe that we have to mature the entire industry. We've got to turn this industry into a powerhouse because that's where we deserve to be. Uh, where unmanned systems are going, those of us who work in this industry already know. You know, other folks are coming along slowly. But the larger aerospace industry has 100 years of history and leaders with 30-plus years of experience in senior positions. They've got effective lobbyists and lawyers, and all of those guys know their business better than anyone. But today, the majority of your AUVSI membership, they self-identify as aviation, aerospace, or robotics professionals that have an unmanned systems focus as opposed to identifying as an unmanned system professional. And I think we need to change that. I mean, some of the brightest minds in the world work in this industry, and they do so because they've got a passion for unmanned systems. So we've got to build that culture and that supportive structure that develops and retains unmanned 
systems professionals. Uh, we've got to step out of the shadows, into the light, and only then can we realize the potential of unmanned systems, not only to save lives, but to change the way we do business, change the way we, we, we approach major problems in a way that's safe and effective. And when you think about what AVSI's role is, uh, they're a 501c6 trade organization. You know, they're there to be the organization that helps grow the industry. So I can't think of a better fit or a better place to start um, to, to move that kind of maturity forward than within the annals of AUSI. Okay, so you, you're kind of a let's uh, let's get some change from the inside and move forward and start addressing some of the major issues that we have. And, and is that in the short term or you think also in the long term? The long term has been... Uh, almost beaten to death. I think if you lay out the short term, what we used to call the, the low-hanging fruit or the quick kills, um, and I think Gene brought up a great point. Um, we're letting things like privacy derail everything. But if you if you pose the question, okay, what about if we excluded law enforcement for a moment? Not that I don't support law enforcement, I do, but just for the moment, and wrote the rules for emergency responders. Um, search and rescue, precision agriculture, where guys are flying over their own property anyway and no one lives there, um, and push forward. Uh, could we get that done in the next year or two? And I absolutely think we could. And then success yeah. in that arena sort of makes it obvious how we would do it for the law enforcers and, and other folks down the road because we would have use cases that would prove that it's safe and effective and can be controlled. Absolutely. Yeah, and that makes sense. Hey, you get out there, you start using it, and people uh, start teething on this stuff, and, and we learn from our mistakes. I think that is something we're being held to a really uh, high standard, um, which I, I take some exception to, but uh, that's another conversation for another time. Um, all right, well, you know, uh, I, I wanted to uh, – I had a few more things going on, but uh, can you t can you talk about in 60 seconds maybe uh, something, a uh, project that you're currently working on, uh, Dallas? Um, sure. Uh, where I work at the ISR group, we've got a UAS airfield. Uh, we've got about a dozen active COAs right now based on a single airspace model, so you don't have to go plot ground tracks and things of that nature. And, you know, I mean, we support those those users that get those COAs. We don't get COAs ourselves, obviously, but we're the facility. We provide the, 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 the trained pilots. We provide the unmanned systems. So when a university says, I've got a sensor I want to test, we say, great, we'll handle all the details. Um, uh, it's, it's your job to be the scientist, and it's our job to be the, the F-150 truck that gets you in the air in a professional manner. So along those lines, on the Precision Ag piece, we partnered with with a university and actually planted uh, about 20 acres of corn right there on our airfield. Uh, so uh, when they want to launch and do daily hyperspectral assessments of everything from pigweed to uh, permicide application, uh, that they can do that without having to get a special COA for their location at the university and things of that nature. It's it's one of the ways that we're trying to grow a capability and looking towards the future. I mean, this is not something we're trying to make money on. It's something we're trying to grow a capability so that others can realize potential. And that's the kind of thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. All right. That's good. Sounds like a passion. Website where people could learn more about this work. Uh, I got a brief blog entry, uh, www.brooksforboard.blogspot.com, 
and that's got links to my LinkedIn profile and an email link to me, which I think is important. I don't know how many board members currently say, hey, look, here's my email address. If you've got an issue or you want to shoot the breeze about a topic, give me a call. Send me, uh, send me an email, and let's start a dialogue. I think we have a, a responsibility because board members work for the membership uh, to make ourselves available, directly available, easily available. So uh, and that would be careful for what do. you wish. <laughs> well, hey, I've had four-hour conversations with Patrick, so I, I don't know, how, you know how, how much more I can get. <laughs> well, I don't know. It could get longer. But, okay, thank you, sir, and good luck, uh, and we'll be talking to you in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Gene. All right. Well, that was pretty interesting. Uh, there's one guy that's got a real passion for the uh, technology. Now, and we're going to continue. We're going to march right on because uh, we've got two more guests, and our next guest is uh, Mr. Benjamin Miller. And, uh, Ben, are you there? I am. I'm here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Hello, well, Ben. You know, we, uh, we've been trying to get you. You're, you're a hard man to nail down. <laughs> Life is pretty fast-paced lately. It is. It has, this has a way of doing that to you. Uh, all right. Well, you know, um, we kind of we know who you are. Uh, we got your number. Uh, we know that you're active in uh, UAS work uh, legally. Uh, you're also very active in the integration effort, but uh, for the benefit of the uh, the listeners, could you please uh, give us a bio, what you're doing, how you got here? Uh, could you do that for us, sir? Yeah, you bet. Um, well, I'd, you know, I'll kind of start with my work with the Mace County Sheriff's Office. I've, I've been here 13 years now, and I started uh, what feels to me like a long time ago, I guess, uh, back in our jail as a deputy. And after about seven years there, I... I moved out on to the operations side of the house and quickly got involved with some wildland firework and search and rescue stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it kind of built a technical background there and then took on a, an admin job of being the uh, the logistics manager. Um, and then about five years ago, um, had a conversation in my office one afternoon about how uh, great an unmanned aircraft could uh, be for our search and rescue efforts. And, and to be honest with you, I kind of I laughed at it when we first began to chat about it. I thought, yeah, right. You know, I I had that typical perspective of predator drones and missiles and stuff. And uh, you know, the, the short time thereafter, that I really began to think, hey, maybe, and uh, did some research and and. Uh, you know we've been we've been up and running now operationally for the last four years. Um, we have a, a COA that allows us to fly anywhere in our jurisdiction uh, daytime. Uh, we're working with the FAA to see if they can get us some permission to fly at night uh, to kind of expand our our operational mission capability and and really focusing in right now on um, small unmanned aircraft. You know that that category of 25 pounds or less, uh, and really just trying to demonstrate. Uh, what unmanned aircraft can do, not just as a public safety asset, but more as a as a community asset. We're even getting into into some things uh, with our public works department as far as survey and, and that kind of thing. So um, it's been a interesting last five years. You know, I've, I've kind of it's become my passion. I've jumped in with both feet, and, and uh, uh, we work directly with the DOJ and the FAA on their common strategy that they just recently announced, and I've had opportunity to to address the Congressional UAS Caucus. Uh, I worked close hands with AVSI, sit on an F-38 subcommittee, and and then had the, the pleasure of testifying to the Senate Judiciary Committee recently, and it's kind of been the highlight of, of the you know, the progress and, and, and gaining and sharing that knowledge over the last couple of years. So, I, I watched the video of the uh, Senate hearing 
with our man, uh, the, let's say, a subcommittee on privacy and technology uh, chair chairperson Al Franken, and I uh, mm-hmm. I I commend you. You did a, a very good job. I thought <laughs> well, you, thanks. I, I, I you know, I'd have to say that was one of the I so far the experiences of my career. So, so I'm glad we had the opportunity. I, I think it was great that they sought some, you know, some end user perspective. I think that that getting the you know your discussion at the the onset of your of your podcast here just with the privacy issues and everything else. I it, it's been our challenge to kind of bring that conversation back to the realities of of what we're really actually doing in public safety and 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 what's really already out there as far as you know rules and regulations and and management of information etc. So it, you know it was a great opportunity to go and to share some realities with uh, some key you know policymakers. Yeah, I, I you know I, as a side note, I thought it was it was kind of interesting because I didn't see that video. I actually found it through the Code Pink website because uh, uh, yeah. I didn't find any links. You know, hey, I'm checking it out. I wanna I wanna know what they're talking about. So uh, I'm I'm listening to that, and it was right about the time I'm watching that, right as this uh, prism thing broke, and uh, tempered with listening to Mr. Frank and talk about privacy issues and everything else, I was like, hmm. Yeah. Wonder where you're at with this one, pal. But yeah. you know, nope. uh, I, I had already had that as part of my narrative when you know I went and uh, spoke at UC Berkeley Law and the Berkeley Drone Town Hall. I mean, you know, I was like, I was already aware. You know, I was used uh, part of that is is that you know, I mean, most of the information that you have out there, uh, if the government asks for it from any of the big, uh, you know, like Google or whatever else, they usually turn it over. So, you know, there is the, the privacy thing, I think, is kind of a red herring. Any idea that I think people are, are afraid when this technology gets turned on them, um, you know, I don't know what's going on in the backyard. I think it's a little, um, God, what is it? I, I don't know. I, you know, maybe a little self-aggrandizing to think that uh, people are going to want to watch you either smoke pot in your backyard or or whatever people are doing out there. I don't know. But anyway, I think we, we can definitely work through those issues, and there are ways to go after the low-hanging fruit. And guys like you, watching your um, watching your um, your that that uh, video, are out there doing the good work, and I want to commend you for that. Well, thanks. I you know I. I it's kind of a responsibility I think we've realized over the last couple of years of, of of being one of the first, at least public safety end users. Um, we have a responsibility to share the realities, you know, the stuff that we've, you know, learned, uh, you know, lessons learned over the last couple of years and, and get that out there. So it's uh, it's something we're very open to and we want people to know what we do. You know, it's nothing that scares me and I'm a, a, a normal old guy. So, you know, I, uh, I want to make sure that the public knows this isn't as it, – it, it's not as scary as it may seem, you know, when you first get interested in unmanned aircraft. Right, and the more daylight you have to it, the more fear you dispel. And that, you know, going back to the beginning of the, the podcast saying, hey, you know, work with the community. Hey, I mean, don't you go out into the community? I know that you're, you're, you're very active, but do you go out into the community and say, hey, here's, you know, here's our unmanned aircraft. Here it is. Look, no hellfires. Yeah, absolutely. Any opportunity we get. So good, good. All right. Well, you know, wanna, uh, I want to. We could converse all day about that too. Sure. But let's um, let's talk about the issue at hand, and that is um, basically, you know, you you've got a lot of experience too. You just went over that. We've we've seen you in action and uh, videos and stuff that you've written and everything else. Um, how would you apply that in the framework of AUVSI? Well, that's a 
an excellent question, and you know, it's something I constantly have asked myself: is you know, where do we begin to, uh, you know, pick a, a subject matter that we really want to focus in on? And and I think, you know, I, I've ha- I have some ground system experience. Um, you know, I've built a few of my own and conducted some field work with, uh, you know, small stuff. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm definitely not a ground systems expert. Uh, you know, definitely not like Mark Gordon is. Um, I feel like I really represent that smalls. I call it the smalls. You know, that, that 25 pounds or less of, of airborne unmanned aircraft. And uh, I, I really think, until just recently, the U.S. industry has really been, you know, about larger systems. Uh, and I think I bring a small UAS end user's perspective. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's fair to say that kind of the future is in the smalls. Um, that that will be the most widely used, uh, you know, category of system. Um, and, and I just think that, uh, you know, AVSI is very active and, and usually right at the focal point of information opportunities. Um, I just, I was looking at some stats and, you know, AVSI has done about 400 interviews since January uh, and, and spoken with more than 100 congressional offices. That seems to me like it's critical that those guys on the forefront, you know, the staff at AVSI have the most up-to-date, uh, you know, and practical information in their back pockets as they're doing these, uh, the, really what I call information transfers. Um, I think that's what I can bring. I can, I can, from a, you know, a board perspective, make sure that that, that ready connection to the the membership and the user community is there so that the folks at the forefront that are moving this forward on behalf of the membership really have the information that they need to be successful. I like that. And I'm going to say also that I like the idea that uh, actual users, I'd like to see, you know, my my own personal, from my own personal experience, people, and it's it's the same uh, motto that we have over here at SUAS News, everyone that's involved here has used the technology. And I think that uh, one of the things that's they're lacking over there are people that have actually used the technology. And I, it makes me happy to see guys that do use the technology getting on the board, getting more involved, because uh, really that, I think, is the, the kernel there where you can go and talk to people and say, hey, you know what, I use this every day, or I've used this and this, and I've used it to do that. And I've So you're not talking about secondhand information. This is empirical knowledge that you're transferring to people. And so when I get guys like you that are users that want to be on, it makes me happy. So well, good. I, I yeah. like that. Well, good. Well, good. I, I, you know, I hope the membership agrees. <laughs> well, they should because uh, I think that's something that's really been lacking. Uh, I will say that uh, you know, my, my, I have a finger on the pulse of the industry when I talk to people, and and people come out and talk to elected officials or governing bodies or even standards group, and they don't have any actual, you know, let's say I don't want to call it stick time. But, but you know, being in the field and using this technology, they're not uh, taken as credible as people that have been in the field with it and use the technology. So I had some credibility to all of, uh, all of our uh, – it's a credibility arrow in the quiver, and I, I appreciate that. Now, I know you're really busy. I know you – you know, we, we, like I said, we can't even nail you down. So, uh, <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you think that's going to work and why – you know, I mean, how, you're going to run for the board. You have the time for that? Well, yeah, you know, it's it's you know that is that's one of the concern my own personal concerns. Uh, you know, we get I, I, it's 
we get lots of interest, and, and it's it's hard to not get spread too thin. Um, where where we as a as an organization and a and a program now have to be careful is to make sure that we're we're spending our time um, with you know potent opportunities. I guess to put it you know as best I can. And I think you know a spot on the AVU AUVSI board is just that that it's a uh, it, it's a potent opportunity to to help with the you know the direction of the entire industry. Um, you know, one of the, uh, uh, my favorite things in the last couple of weeks, I've I've had some vacation time and 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 taken the opportunity to turn off the email and completely check out to to let go of some stress. And and in that time I was gone, you know, the, the folks that we've trained up to move our program forward uh, had some successful deployments uh, in my in my absence, and and that's just a you know a really fulfilling feeling to know that uh, you know this thing is now kind of maybe birthing out beyond my guidance and 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 that so that and I see that in the future that now we're beginning to mature the program that it begins to live on its own and that just opens me up for you know other opportunities and I really think that's the next step is taking a more you know national leadership role so all right. Well, that sounds good to me. Now, in, in closing, um, and I don't know if you got a, a website going where people could kind of see what you guys are doing or the progress that you're making. Is there one? There is, actually. Um, you know, that's one of our things to being transparent with our program is, is just, you know, taking the, the necessary steps to put our information out there. And you can go to us. Um, and you'll see down in the bottom right corner a link to our um, UAS page. And on that link, you'll find uh, one, my favorite document there is a, is a frequently asked questions document that we <laughs> frequently update. But uh, it's just a, a kind of a download of information of the things that we know, uh, that, you know, the answers to the questions that we get commonly. Um, and there's a couple of video links that we've put together. Uh, just kind of shows you what we've done and, and what we do. And, and I guess if you're looking that, looking at that from an interest of should you, you know, vote for me or not, I, I mean that's really a representation of of the program that I manage and and kind of my brainchild and my passion. So, you know, maybe it's not something specific to myself and, and my attempts to become a a board member, but uh, I think it's a an excellent example of of the things that we do out here in Mesa County. Excellent. Uh, good luck, sir. I uh, I appreciate you coming on. Best of luck, and um, you know, well, I hope we can talk to you in the future. Sounds good. All right. Have a good day, sir. Yeah. Take care, guys, and thanks again for the opportunity. Hey, no problem. All, All right. right. Uh, I like that idea where they've got the website, and I would encourage folks to uh, go there and check it out, and you could get kind of the real deal, the scoop of what you know a, a sheriff's department is actually doing with uh, the technology. And uh, that's great, and I think they're being uh, open and transparent. What do, you, what do you think about that idea, Gene? You know, that was one of the things that was brought up um, in this conference that I was in just last week, that if you take that to the public and you say, look, this is what we have, this is what we're going to do, and you can look at all the records and you can come in and visit us anytime you want, it puts them at ease. And I think that's a fantastic approach. I think it's going to be something that we're going to try to apply here in our own area. Uh, in our own county, because I think that uh, a lot of folks are led by the media, and the media doesn't present the rosiest picture in the world for anything. So, uh, you know, that's, I, I think that's a really good idea. No comment. No, I'm teasing. I, uh, I I agree. I think it's the uh, it's the thing to do, and it would help any uh, law enforcement program along. Daylight would. Absolutely. All right. Well. Yeah, absolutely. 
and and so we have our final guest, and and we're running a wee bit long, but that's okay. We're, we'll we'll uh, we'll run it out if we need to. This is our final guest, and it's uh, the, our our continuing conversation, Mr. Mark Gordon. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good. How are you? Thank thank you for the opportunity to have us on here today. Oh, hey, no problem. Uh, we we want to, as you can, I mean, I'm sure you've said and you've listened to this. Where you know yep. our goal is to try and give information to the membership, so the membership is uh, is let's say understands uh, some of the issues from the different points of view and what people want to do. So with that, could you uh, could, would you please uh, give us a little uh, bio about yourself, sir? Sure. Um, um, graduated. Uh uh, with a mechanical engineering degree, and then I went into the Marine Corps. Uh, spent my uh, my time in the Marine Corps as artillery officer. Um, after that, I joined uh, a couple of different high tech companies um, uh, focused on robotics automation. Actually, so very commercial focused um, um, handling of uh, storage devices in the robotics industry, and that's really what uh, brought me into the robotics world and the in the unmanned systems world. Uh, after after spending a few years doing that, uh, very focused on you know doing the engineering component of of robotics all the way to new product introduction and into the production phase, I started my own company uh, in 2001, and then have been doing uh, robotics primarily since then. Um, our segment includes a combination of uh, government work as well as commercial work. Um, so, and a lot of our focus is, you know, how do we take robotics and, and not only just do the research component of it, but, uh, you know, take it from the research component all the way into the production aspect. Um, and that's a big focus for me and part of what I want to help with the with the AUVSI side as well is how do we get through that quote-unquote valley of death and how do we become more proficient about doing that. Uh, and, um, I'm and, also on uh, – go ahead, please. Oh, I just uh, – we, we, we need that experience. We, we definitely do. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, I'm also on a couple of different boards. Um, I'm on the board of directors for uh, what's called Collabs, which is a uh, um, there's uh, it's a coalition of the 25 there's there's 25 federally funded laboratories here in Colorado, and uh, I'm on the board of directors for that, uh, which is a great opportunity to interact with all the different boards, uh, whether it, or all the different labs, whether it's NIST or NOAA, uh, some of the universities. So it's a great exposure to talk about. Uh, What's going on in the labs? Uh, learn from how they're handling their perspectives. Uh, I just actually led the um, the uh, subcommittee for the strategy, the ongoing strategy for that uh, for that ongoing board. Uh, we do an annual governor's award. Um, I'm also on the board of directors for the Boulder Chamber of Commerce, and uh, I was the I'm the Rocky Mountain chapter president here uh, that, that Ben is also part of um, here in Colorado, and we've been uh, having a successful chapter. Um, I actually was one of the founding members, started the chapter up, and uh, have been the president for about uh, three years now. And we just had a, have had our fairly large successful event here uh, at the end of May. That's good. That's good. Yeah, the uh, being a chapter president's a little bit of a. It's fun. Get out there yes, with the. Yes, but it's a lot uh, of work. <laughs> It is a lot of work, uh, but uh, it seems like everyone in this field, uh, if you're in this field, you're passionate about it, and you, you're wearing multiple hats. So that's a lot of good and, experience. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and with that, I'll say with the chapter presidency, you know, the chapter presidents are allowed to go to the board members or the board meetings, excuse me, the AUVSI board meetings, and I've attended multiple 
multiple uh, board board meetings there. So I understand what's going on, uh, the dynamics that's happening, the uh, kind of already engaged with what the strategy is for the board. So it'll be a very easy step in to uh, to be able to uh, adapt quickly to what the board is, the, what the board's trying to do right now. Yeah, I'd hoped I want to make one of those board meetings. I'm usually at White Sands every <laughs> in September during yeah. the board meetings, and I never make it. But uh, maybe this year, I keep hoping. Um, okay, well, so you got a lot of experience there, and um, you know, I, I think that uh, the experience that you do have is going to be useful to the uh, the membership and also within the in the board there. So, what you know, what what's your vision if you're elected? What what do you see yourself doing? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I really want to focus on, um, you know, a lot of AUVSI is focused around, focused around UAS, um, which is by far one of the larger markets. Um, I want to focus on exploring other markets that are out there as well. I know we've talked about agriculture a lot. Uh, my company is a little more ground-based, as Ben had mentioned. Um, so, you know, how do we drive more towards some of the things that are happening on the ground side um, and on the underwater side? Um, as well as the different industries that are out there that are not the traditional um, aerospace industries or in, in military industry, um, you know, how can we bring more of those people into into the realm, make them understand that AUBSI is is a good voice for for their for their issues, whether it be industrial manufacturing or agricultural, um, as well as like I mentioned, you know, we work for a couple of robotics automation companies. How can they? How can we blend those companies together and? Uh, and be a stronger voice uh, for what we're doing, and, and as well as that technology sharing that can happen between, you know, sensor companies that maybe the commercial side doesn't understand uh, that's the sensors that are being developed and how they can potentially integrate them into their products and the partnerships that can become available. All right. Um, and, and part of what I would like to do is, since we're a small business and we also have multiple uh, multiple offices across the U.S., I've been very involved with, uh, like, the AUVSI Day on the Hill Um and I know AUVSI does a lot of advocacy for the Unmanned Systems Group, and I'd like to be part of uh, helping push that forward. I think that sometimes, um, you know, the organizations like AUVSI, uh, where they're not the constituents based as much, um, you know, me as a constituent being able to go in with an AUVSI member, talk about the issues we're having with unmanned systems, both air, ground, underwater, uh, where we see things need to be headed. Uh, not only as a constituent, but as a board member of AUBSI and a small business, that's that's a very powerful uh, message that I can then start to put across. I, I concur with that. And, you know, it's kind of funny you said that. I mean, primarily most people are focused on the, the air, but, uh, you know, I kind of I, – I like all the technology. I'm, I'm a big proponent of commercial space and things like that, and I think that uh, – Really, I could see a lot of ground-based farm equipment being totally unmanned, you know, having 20 combines, you know, lined up and one of them being, uh, you know, manned and then the rest of them being unmanned and, you know, following the lead and doing the ballet and bringing in the corn or the wheat or whatever. I think that the market is huge. and exactly. and I want to be actually, I grew up thing. on a farm, so I'm very, very familiar with that and what they're doing right now. They actually have GPS-assisted uh, um, um, combines and tractors to try to reduce uh, costs associated with fertilizing and the fuel mm-hmm, costs mm-hmm. associated with it as well. Um, and I think you know the next that that, that next level of uh, more autonomy and uh, you know the driverless not not the driverless car, but like you said, the driverless combine, the driverless uh, driverless combine would be the next step. 
Well, that and, you know, the other thing I'd really like to see automated is, um, <clears throat> although i got to be careful, you know, I've already had failed threats from the Teamsters, <laughs> but, the, uh, you know, the road making or, or you know, um, things like that, if that was all, you know, uh, all those blades and everything was all automated and you could make freeways with uh, unmanned God, that'd be great. Um, I think there's a big promise there. Okay, well, yep. you know, that's great. And uh, I, I, I definitely have a flavor and an overview of how you would uh, bring your expertise to bear. Um, you care to share anything that you're currently working on? Yeah, so we're, uh, we, we kind of, um, we have a very strong background in uh, subject matter experts in the, uh, I'll call it the IED fight. And so mm-hmm. we do, uh, we do a lot of tools and uh, capabilities, uh, both sensing as well as tools and tool changing capabilities for uh, for helping with the uh, with the IED fight, uh, both homeland security as well as overseas. Um, so that's one big thrust area for us. Um, we're also doing a lot in logistics and automation uh, work across the board. Um, how do we use uh, robotics uh, with um, with the logistics applications? Being able to move goods around better. Um, be more, uh, you know, more efficient um, in how we how we load goods and how we move goods around, uh, both within the warehouse as well as on a transportation perspective. All right, that sounds good. Now, do you have a uh, website where um, people could learn about some of the stuff you're doing? Yep, yep. So it's uh, www.stratum.com, and that's S-T-R-A-T-O-M.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page where we post uh, things that we've been doing more on an interactive basis. Um, and, uh, again, the, the Facebook page is uh, just Stratum. Okay. Well, that sounds good. I wish you the best of luck, too, sir. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you more in the future. That sounds great. All right. Well, thanks, sir, for being on. All right. Yep. Uh, Thank get- you for uh, for hosting us and, uh, and, and for having the opportunity for all of us to uh, talk about what we're up to. That's what we're here for. All right, Gene, it was good, good you, talking sir. to you. It was good talking to you too. And uh until next week. Okay. You know. Have a good one. All right, All right. talk to you soon. Bye bye. All right, thank you. Bye bye.